0: We've asked Stuart to preach on John chapter 17 this morning. It's a long chapter, and um, the good news is he's not going to preach on all of it. But there's a a few specific uh, points that he feels God has put on his heart. But um, just to set the scene, I'm going to read chapter 17 of John, and then ask Stuart to come and uh, speak to us. So if you do have your Bibles, John 17, please. After Jesus said this, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you have gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one, as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost, except the one doomed to destruction, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved me and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those who you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me i have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that i myself may be in them
1: amen thank you i've been asked to speak a little bit just so they get my the eq right on the uh, on the audio so I'll just say nothing for a few moments. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I would have loved, this is not nothing, this is quite important. I would have loved to have been here a few Sundays ago after the rugby. Um, I, at Jubilee, we, um, we have 23 nations represented in our church, primarily English, and we have a few Welsh, and I'll tell you what, that Sunday morning was pretty interesting uh, how much volume a few Welshmen and women could, uh, could get in the congregation. So congratulations from me uh, to, to all the Welsh sitting in the room. I would imagine you might have a few non-Welsh sitting here as well, so uh, I trust that you survived that weekend. I'm ready to go. Thanks, Andy. Um, it's lovely for Louise and I to be here uh, with you again. We came last year and uh, just feel really at home with you and uh, I have two or we have two daughters Leah and Jade they my 18 years old and 16 years old so we've got A-levels and GCSEs this year so you can pray for Louise and I uh, at the moment and uh, other interesting news is that my eldest has put Cardiff University as her first choice so just just saying okay and uh, I also feel at home because our, our building's fairly similar uh, to this. Uh, our building was, uh, our church was planted by Charles Spurgeon in 1872. I know you are Christmas Evans, uh, but we're a baby compared to you. Uh, I think, what, 1832, okay, so uh, long, long, lovely heritage. Um, I'm proud of uh, our Baptist heritage. Both Louise and I were saved Uh, in a Baptist church in South Africa and uh, are really grateful for the word and being taught and discipled really, really, really well. Um, I'm also grateful that we straddle two uh, universes in a way in in, in God's kingdom, um, being part of uh, the Baptist Union and also uh, part of uh, Advance. And uh, we we straddle both of those really, really well. And uh, I know that some of your story uh, as well, just in in, in terms of getting um, well-rooted in the Baptist Union and and things like that, and your Baptist heritage, and then something fresh of the Holy Spirit, um, that is happening in lots of churches all around our nation, and we're really grateful for it. We've been singing about some of that uh, this morning. And uh, so for us, um, the uh, relational, the linking in with advance is really, really good. Um, mission church planting, that's our connection with Wales actually through Ben Franks, was our first uh, Welsh church planter that we, we met and Louise and I are really good friends with Ben and Lois. Really excited with what God is doing uh, in Wales and the Rhonda Valley is just beautiful and um, we love uh, visiting this part of God's, uh, God's kingdom, it's beautiful. So, Tony asked me to preach on John chapter 17 this morning, and uh, interestingly, we're going to be looking at this as a church in a few weeks' time. So I hadn't done any of my preparation for Jubilee, um, and I was grateful having a look at John chapter 17, just also going to say that we're doing John chapter 17 over three weeks, not one morning, okay? So I, I just realized as I started looking at the chapter, we, I'm only going to focus on a, f- a few verses in it, but it's a great chapter It's Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17. So, uh, over the last little while we've been doing, since the beginning of the year at Jubilee, we've been doing a series on growing stronger, and we've been looking primarily at the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we've worked through the Lord's Prayer really slowly. It's been wonderful for us as a church, and uh, I've felt really encouraged and challenged in it, and uh, we've seen a a lot of fruit from it. In fact, last week uh, we just had 24 hours of prayer and the church just got together and uh, roted ourselves in to pray for 24 hours. And uh, we're just seeing fruit off the back of that. I'll share uh, one or two of those stories a little bit later. John chapter 17 records what Jesus pray- prayed. Now, we've been doing the Lord's Prayer, and we call it the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus is actually teaching the disciples to pray. He said, pray in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. But in reality, that should be called the Disciples' Prayer, and what we're looking at in John chapter 17 should really be called the Lord's Prayer because it's what Jesus really prayed to his Father. Not teaching us how to pray. This is what Jesus prayed uh, to his Father. And it's a very critical part uh, or time in Jesus' life. This is the night before his betrayal and his crucifixion. And we get a, a glimpse into what was on Jesus' heart And as he prayed to his Father and the disciples heard. And obviously John has recorded it us. This is serious prayer. What would you be praying the day before you died? What would you be praying if you were Jesus? And we get a glimpse of it today. So the first, there are three main prayers uh, in John chapter 17. The first part, um, if you've got the NIV, it'll most probably say Jesus prays for himself, and then Jesus prays for his disciples, and then Jesus prays for all believers. So the first thing is he prays for himself and his his prayer revolves around desiring the Father to be glorified. I'm doing this, Father, so that you get glorified. He's rejoicing that what's about to take place the next day will lead to eternal life for people who accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This is Father, this is an amazing plan. You've come to rescue people from their sin and bring them into an eternal relationship with you so jesus came to bring you and i salvation and jesus is praying and saying father help me as i go through this this is wonderful wonderful news lots more than that go go read it and look at it again uh, over the next few days so firstly he prays for himself then he prays for his disciples and really what he's praying for them is that they are protected because he says In verse 11, I will remain in the world no longer. The disciples didn't quite fully understand this, that he was going to be crucified, die, and be resurrected. And he prays to his father. He says, Father, I'm not going to be in the world any longer. They're still in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name. He's praying for protection over his disciples. That name that you gave me so that they may be one As we are one. So he prays for protection and he prays that they will be united, that they will be one. Okay? That's the second prayer. Then, this is the prayer that we're going to focus on today. Jesus prays for all believers, people who would come down the line, and you and I would be part of that. Let me pray. Lord, as I uh, just unpack these few, these six verses, I want to pray that you would speak to our hearts. And we would learn, Jesus, even in this prayer, what was on your heart? What's on your heart today for us as your people? What's on your heart for An Baptist? Lord Jesus, what's on your heart for each of us as individuals in every situation that we find ourselves? Would you speak to us this morning? The Holy Spirit, would you make your word alive to us? Would you reveal more of Jesus? We've been singing such beautiful songs about you this morning, would you bring greater revelation for us, help us to apply your word this morning. We don't want to just know some facts, we want to hear from you and we want to be able to live it out and put it in practice uh, this week, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Would you do that, Lord? Have your way amongst us. Amen. Amen. There's something really wonderful about knowing that people are praying for you, um, even this morning as we were driving here, um, I was getting texts on my phone. Uh, we have a service that starts at 9 o'clock and then one at 11. And the, the guys at the 9 o'clock were saying, we're praying for you. We prayed at 9 o'clock. Somebody in the church, they shouldn't have been texting <laughs> during the service. But they clearly it was while the service was happening. And somebody said, oh, we just prayed for you. I thought, okay, cool. I'm quite happy with that. I wouldn't be so happy if I was preaching and I watched them texting. But there we go. Um, but it's something wonderful and reassuring knowing people are praying for you. As Christians, we've got to be very careful that we don't say, uh, and as a church leader, I've got to be very careful about this, that we don't lie to people and say, I am praying, I'm praying for you this week and then you don't pray. You know, if we, if we say we're going to pray for people, let's pray for people and be honest if you forgot. Um, but it's something really lovely. We've got a, a team of uh, young people and leaders here in Moldova um, just ministering in uh, orphanages in Moldova this week and it's just wonderful watching the church rally around to pray for them and while they're there in Moldova it's the poorest nation in Europe as they're ministering there they know that people at home are praying and interceding and asking God for protection and that they would minister God's love and grace in power okay it's something lovely when we know people are praying for us and I've got good news for you. Sometimes I've, I've been at meetings and I've seen uh, a hero of the faith, somebody who's uh, ministering somewhere, and everybody's clamoring to get that person to pray for them, okay? I mean, you might have a hero of the faith. You know, what would you say if, well, maybe I could ask you this. Have you ever had anybody famous pray for you? Had Billy Graham, anybody had Billy Graham pray for you? Nobody, okay. Um, okay, where, where, where do we go We're on that one? Okay. Sometimes we might say, oh, this person, if Billy Graham prayed for me, I guarantee I'd get that into a preach somewhere, okay? Oh, yeah, I remember that time when, when Billy Graham prayed for me, um, you know? Oh, I've got better news than any of those stories. We have Jesus Christ praying for us, and this story tells us that the account we're reading today is Jesus in John chapter 17 prayed for future believers. And if you're a believer with me this morning, he in this prayer prayed for you and for me. I think it's a wonderful thing to know that Jesus has prayed for us. Okay, verse 20, my prayer is not for them, that's the disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. This is for future Christians. This is Jesus praying for those um, who've come to faith off off the testimony of the disciples. We're reading that in John chapter 17 today. This is an account by one of those disciples. John has written this. And we've become Christians over the generations through the testimony of those men. You know, somebody once said that Christianity is only one generation away from dying out. And there's an element of of truth there, because how does the the message get transferred? It gets transferred by you and I to the next generation. Now, obviously, it's God's word, but we, we proclaim God's word to the next generation. It needs you and I to go out there and to do it. And for generations, that has been true. God's people have always gone and passed on the baton to the next generation. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And this morning we're looking at that in John chapter 17. Jesus prayed for you then in John chapter 17. And Jesus is praying for you now. Okay? Jesus' work is not finished. And you might, before you accuse me of heresy, let me explain that a little bit. When Jesus died on the cross, what did he say? What what did he say right at the end? It is finished. What was finished? His work of salvation. The price has been paid on the cross for your and my sin in full. There's nothing more that is required. Louise and I many years ago went to Taiwan. And when we were in Taiwan, we saw a lady go uh, to a temple to go and, and have her sins forgiven Uh, in this temple, and when she arrived, she paid her um, Taiwanese currency, which I can't remember what it is anymore, but she paid her currency, and she got temple money, this paper money, and then she actually crawled on her, she was in a suit, a business suit, and she crawled on her knees towards this uh, god in this temple, which was a, a big belly with a fire in it, and she took the temple money that she had paid hard currency for, and she threw the temple money in, and then she crawled back out. And that was her sin being forgiven. She's paid for her sins to be removed. And our guides who were taking us on uh, through the town said, the interesting thing is she's never certain whether she's paid enough or not. Oh, isn't that incredible? Because you've got to work out the sins that I've got in my mind. Have I, have I paid enough to get enough temple money to go and get those sins forgiven? And she walks out with zero assurance. The good news for you and I is that Jesus paid the price for our sin in full. It's not shortchanged. The currency was full and enough. And so you and I can walk around with absolute certainty, if we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that our sins are forgiven. It is finished. That part is finished. But Jesus is still working now. When he went to heaven, he went to go and prepare a place for us. I'm looking forward to that one day. But he's also interceding on our behalf. And Jesus prayed for us in John chapter 17. And he's praying for us right now. Hebrews chapter 7, 24 and 25. But because Jesus lives forever, hallelujah, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely. It is finished. There's no short change. He's able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus always lives to intercede for you. is that wonderful? Okay, he prays for us. Romans 8 verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and he is interceding. He's praying for us. When Satan comes and he says, oh, you know, Stuart, I know what he got up to. And Jesus says, you know what? I paid in full. He's my child. His sins are forgiven. I do not see those sins anymore. He's paid the price in full. He's interceding for me. A Scottish minister, Robert McChain, once said this. He said, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Okay? Yet distance makes no difference because he, Jesus, is praying for me. We need to know that. You know? Jesus is praying for us. So be encouraged. Jesus loves you. He loves me, and he prays for you. So my second point I just wanted to remind us Jesus prays for us. But let's look at what he prays in this passage today. And the main thing he prays for is unity. Unity for us as believers is so, 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 so important. I'm going to read verses 20 to 23 again. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. And Jesus prays that we will be in unity as he is in unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And we sang some songs about the Trinity. I just want to very briefly just mention the Trinity again. This is so important because the, the, the Trinity is actually part of the clue of how we keep unity. Okay, In Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and, and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the very first verses of the Bible, the Holy Spirit is there. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters as the creation was taking place. And you've done John chapter 1 over the, over the last uh, little while. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? He was with, with he was with God in the beginning. Who is the word? Who's the word? Jesus. Okay? So at the beginning of time, when the creation is taking place, the spirit's hovering over the waters. Jesus is there as the creation is taking place. That's why we believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse three Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Trinity, the, 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 the three persons of the Godhead, were there right at the beginning of time. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they were absolutely in unity. Okay? So there was no jostling for per, uh, position. There was... Mutual love and submission. What does Jesus say? Jesus, my will is to do the will of my Father. There's this cooperation between the Trinity. That's incredible. There's no agendas. There's no infighting. There's unity of purpose. This is what we are about. Okay? And if we understand the Trinity, Jesus is saying, this is what I want you to be like. Okay, if you go and read through the, those verses 20 to 26, you see this idea of I and them and they in me as we are together. And 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 God is saying, actually, as the church, we need to represent the Holy Spirit the way the Holy Spirit is, and the Holy Spirit helps us oh, as the Trinity is, and the Trinity helps us to live that out as well. Let me ask you a question: why is unity? so important. What's the purpose in verses 20 to 26? Why is this really, really important that we are unified? I'll just go back to, back to that verse. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me the purpose isn't just for us to live in a little holy huddle and to just enjoy God. <laughs> Beautiful as it is, and we love that. I love sweet moments of worship like we've had this morning. But The purpose is always for us to go out and to reach the world. Okay, The purpose here is so that the world will look at the church and see something that is so different and be attracted to Jesus. And that somehow in seeing even the unity amongst us, they will get a picture of a loving God, a miraculous God, because I tell you what—it's pretty difficult for us to get on with each other. It is, truth be told, it's difficult, okay? Because we're all weird, and uh, yeah, we are—we're all weird. I'd love that John Ortberg's book is, is phenomenal. Uh, his title was "Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them." <laughs> it's true. And so for us to get on is such an amazing picture to the world. There's a God. <laughs> if these people can be, hang out together, know each other, be vulnerable with each other and still love each other, that's miraculous. Okay? How does the, the world know that we are his disciples? By our love. It's not by our great songs. It's not by our great musicianship. It's not by our great preaching. It's by our love. John 13, a new command I give you love one another as I've loved you. He always models it, he always is the first mover on love. So you must love one another. By this, by this love, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There's no opt out here, there's no get out clause. We've got to love each other. Okay. It's interesting, just before that account in John 13 where he says you need to love each other, the, one of the, the, the parts of that story just before he actually says to them, love each other, he models it by washing the disciples' feet. He shows what true love is about. It's about getting on your, on your knees, humbling yourself and loving others above yourself. Self-sacrificial just as Jesus is. We, um, Louise, I love Louise. Sort of semi-corrected me a little bit earlier when I was I was talking about we we're doing an Alpha course, and she we we're just talking to Matt. And Louise said, I, "I said I'm not sure why this Alpha course is different. It just feels radically different at the moment." Louise said, "Well, we've been praying. <laughs> we've, been, we've been seeking God. We've been doing this series on prayer. We've been seeking the Lord's face. We've been humbling ourselves before Him, and suddenly we've seen." God do some things that are a little bit different that we've not seen him do uh, on, a, on previous alphas. We've got 23 people on an alpha course at the moment. Most of them are from unchurched backgrounds. And 17 of those 23 have started coming to Jubilee on Sunday mornings. So the, the, the success rate, if you want to call it that, um, of people coming from alpha and into the life of the church, not, not, not all those people have got saved yet. Um, but in the last six weeks, we've had four or five people give their lives to the Lord. So for us been very fruitful, and I, you know, I stupidly said, oh, I'm not really sure what's going on, why it's different. And we said, well, oh, we've been praying a hang of a lot more. We've been uh, seeking God's face. There's, the, there's been a, a real element of faith. We weren't going to do the Alpha course. And a 20-year-old guy in our church said, If nobody else is going to stand up and do it, I'm going to do this course. And we've already rallied rallied around this guy. And we've just seen this fruitfulness come out of it. And I'm just grateful for young whippersnappers who come and challenge us and say, we cannot not be doing this, Stuart. We've got to be doing an Alpha course. And if nobody else is going to step up to the plate, I'll step up to the plate. It's been wonderful. But uh, last week... Uh, That's uh, uh, giving you a whole lot of story. My main point that I was going to get to was on Tuesday last week, it was our last evening of Alpha, and we were just sitting talking with the the, the people in the group, and uh, person after person after person said, one of the main reasons what we've really loved about this Alpha course is seeing the unity between people. When we've gone to Jubilee and we've seen the love between people, uh, it's been really, really so different to what we've been experiencing in in a number of other places and uh, I then went to great uh, lengths to try and say to this this guy in particular I said well because I know he's going to come to Jubilee and then he's going to realize what we do fight sometimes and we do have disagreements I better tell him this ahead of the game I said well actually you know sometimes we we do have disagreements and we've got to work them out and sometimes it takes some effort and he said yeah but I, I get all of that he said but you guys love each other and I thought, oh, I'm actually really glad that an unbeliever is sitting there and saying, yeah, you guys might have disagreements and you might think this is the one way to do something and, well, that's a better way, but actually you love each other. And that's tan- tangible. People can smell, taste, feel that when they walk into a room. And sometimes um, un- fighting for unity uh, requires some, some work and, and some effort. My third point is going to bring this all together, but uh, just in, in terms of unity, um, in, in my second point, Jesus is praying for us to be unified. Um, I don't want to get into ecumenicalism or how do, how do congregations work with each other. What I really want to focus on this morning is, what does this mean for you uh, as Anon Baptist? What does it mean to be at unity? So if one of Jesus' key things is praying for unity amongst you, w- What does that look like for you? And actually, just uh, right at the beginning of the service, I was um, asking God, God, would you give me some passages or a prophetic word or something that would uh, be really, really, really important and relevant for this morning? And uh, Ephesians 4 came to my mind. I just want to read it to you quickly. Um, Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Oh, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Bear with one another in love. You know what that's saying? It's saying that sometimes there will be reasons that you're going to have to fight and you're going to have to bear with each other because it's not always going to be everybody agrees with the same thing. Okay, bear with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. You know, the unity in the Spirit has already been given to you, okay? If you're a believer, and it's saying make every effort for that to continue. Work with the Holy Spirit to keep peace amongst yourselves, to be united, okay? So just wanting to commend you um, I, I felt this when I was uh, praying for you yesterday, um, just through some of the difficulties as a church you've been through over the last little while. When you come into this building, um, the presence of God is really is amongst you, uh, just even worshiping. Don't take that for granted, okay? Where there's disunity, I want to tell you it feels very different, because I don't think God feels at home in a place where there's not unity. So I just want to commend you because I sense amongst you, even though you've gone through a hard time over the last little while, that you've fought for unity and you there's love here. Keep going. Keep pressing on. That was what was on Jesus' heart in John 17. That's what is on his heart for you guys now, to keep loving each other, keep being unified. You know, nobody goes around in a community and says, hey, let's go to that church. They hate each other. <laughs> they don't. But people will spot when you love each other, and they'll want to be part of that community. So keep pressing on. Just help me on my time. I didn't start to stop, I'm so sorry. So what time, what time do I finish? put it to you.. Okay. You know, during World War II, um, this was a, a devotion of mine some time ago. Hitler commanded all religious groups to unite so that he could control them. I'm going to read it to you quickly. Among the brethren assemblies, half complied and half refused. Those who went along with the order had a much easier time, and those who did not faced harsh persecution. They just had uh, hit this regime against them. In almost every family of those who resisted, someone died in a concentration camp. When the war was over, feelings of bitterness ran deep between the groups, and there was much tension. And finally, they decided that the situation had to be healed, and leaders from each group met at a quiet retreat, For several days, each person spent time in prayer, examining his own heart in the light of Christ's commands, and then they came together. Francis Schaeffer, uh, who's writing about the incident, he asked a friend who was there, what did you do right at the end when you came together? And his answer was, we were just one. Everybody went away, waited on God, and then came together. What was different? Well, we were just one. As they confessed their hostility and bitterness to God and yielded to his control, the Holy Spirit created a spirit of unity among them. and Love filled their hearts and dissolved their hatred. When love prevails amongst believers, especially in times of strong disagreement, it presents to the world an indisputable mark of a true follower of Jesus Christ. And that is what we are called to do. True, powerful, powerful story anyway. Point three, there's a wonderful climax to our story. Verse 24, Father, I want those that you have given me to be with me where I am. Let's talk about one day in eternity. To see my glory, the glory that you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Trinity has always been. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So one day we will see Jesus' glory like we've never seen it before. The glory that has been there from the beginning of time, one day in eternity will be there. Heaven is going to be a wonderful, wonderful, glorious place. And in this Chapters leading up to where we are today, Jesus keeps telling the disciples, I'm going, I'm going to a place that you don't know about yet. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be leaving you. They didn't understand it. And Jesus says, Father, I want those that you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. A very, very dear friend of mine died last year and uh, his name was Liz. Um, Louise and I uh, Loved him dearly and and his wife and his family. And uh, four of his grandchildren are doing the current Alpha course. So he had a a massive impact on on many, many, many people. And um, I, I sometimes think when a person takes their last breath on earth... The difference between that and their first breath in heaven is, is quite radically different. You know, and I know it might sound a little bit morbid to you, but literally, Les went from a dying breath and his next breath in eternity with Jesus was wow! Just seeing Jesus in all of his glory, what a an absolute pulls-apart kind of an experience. Radical, mind-blowing, different. Okay? And Jesus' glory in heaven is going to be awesome, and Jesus has paid the price in full so one day we can spend eternity with him. And uh, when uh, I was going to do Les's funeral, uh, he was a mad sportsman, and he always wore hats. And uh, God gave me this, 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 this idea of having a hat stand with some of the hats that Les wore on the hat stand, and uh, I walked through them, and I picked one up, and I said, you know, Les was a, a, a husband, and I spoke about him as a godly husband, and then I pulled up another hat, and it was him as a father, and all these children were sitting there. This is Les wearing his father hat, and they were all his hats, and then uh, amongst them, I had a Roman centurion helmet, and I said he wore the helmet of salvation. He was a believer. Now, Many, many people in the congregation weren't believers, so just sharing the gospel there. And then right at the end, um, I said to everybody, you know, when we put him in the coffin, we put him in with his favorite cricket cap on, but he's not wearing that right now because he's wearing the crown of righteousness. And he's in heaven with Jesus. This is glory, glory, glory stuff. It's a wonderful climax To our story and we need to look heavenward because it actually helps us deal with the stuff on earth right now. God wants us to have a picture, an exalted picture of Jesus now and what it's going to be like in eternity and it'll help us to deal with the difficulties of life. It's interesting that Jesus prays about heaven immediately after he prays for unity on Christians. He prays for Unity amongst us, and then he speaks about heaven and eternity. And I think when we lose our focus on heaven, we start fighting on earth. It's true. When you see believers who've got their focus on Jesus and his glory, not just singing the words, but really, really believing it and living it out, when, we, when, when, we, when, when our eyes are transfixed on Jesus, then there's always less fighting on, on the earth and there's far more unity. You know, we better get on now, because we're going to be spending eternity together, okay? So bear with each other, as that passage in Ephesians said, because one day we're going to be spending all of eternity together. Our unity as believers emerges largely as a, as a result of us remaining in Christ, and being focused on him, A. W. Tozer said the following. I, l- I love this quote. Has it ever occurred to you that one hundred pianos, all tuned to the same fork, are automatically tuned to each other? And I, I was going to bring a tuning fork, and I, I forgot to bring it this morning. But um, if you've got a hundred pianos, you've got one tuning fork, and they each tune to that tu- tuning fork, they will all be in tune to each other. They are of one accord. By being tuned not to each other, but to one another, sorry, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. And I I love the idea of this. So here's the tuning fork, and then everybody has to bow down to their own tuning and say, okay, I'm not going to tune to the person next to me, I'm going to tune to that tuning fork. And if everybody starts tuning to that tuning fork, what happens? We're all tuned to each other. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. Uh, This is really important. This is the application that Tozer was giving here. So 100 worshipers are sitting in this room today, each one looking to Jesus are in heart nearer to each other than we could possibly be. Could if we had got Jesus out of the equation and really spent time? Let's try and do more. I, I wish we were here last night. I would have loved to have come uh, and done uh, uh, some some dancing, you know. But we could do a million more curry clubs. We could do a million more dancing evenings. We could do. A, if Jesus is in the focus, those things are not going to get us closer. Now, if we are tuned to Jesus and we do all those other things, but I'm not saying we give those up. Those are wonderful things, okay? Um, That's where unity comes. Love God. Love people. Those are the two really important things. If we focus on Jesus, we love him, and we love people, there will be unity. That's what Jesus is praying for us in this prayer. He's saying, Father, I want my children to be united, because when they're united, they're going to love each other, they're going to care for each other, but they're going to be outward looking, they're going to be an example to the world around them, and I will draw people to them, so that God's kingdom is advanced and extended. Is that okay? Let's pray. Father, I I don't fully understand. I have no illustrations that do the Trinity justice. But how beautiful it is that you as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. And yet you each have attributes that seem different and have different purposes, but there's one unified goal and you work together as one. One God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That blows our minds and yet at the same time when in this prayer you're talking about yourself as the Trinity and then saying, you're praying for us to be unified and like you. Jesus, as you are in the Father, so you want to be in us and us in you. There's this beautiful connection between us. And we want to say thank you for that. Help us to somehow understand what does that mean for us today, tomorrow, next week. But I want to thank you that you've reached out to us, that you've brought us salvation. Thank you. In John chapter 17, it speaks about your plan of salvation, that we've been chosen by you. Jesus, I want to say thank you that you are at the right hand of the Father and that you intercede for me and my brothers and my sisters. I want to thank you that you've paid the price in full. We can walk blameless and guilt-free. Thank you that you have called us to be part of a community. Thank you that you've called us to be part of your church. And thank you that your prayer for us then and your prayer for us now would be that we would be unified, that we would be in unity, that we would bear with one another, that we would would fight for unity amongst ourselves. So that the world might see that we are your disciples, that you are for real that miraculously you can get English and Welsh to sit in the same room, that you can get people of different color, people of different ages, all sitting together and saying, we love you, Lord Jesus. You're above us all, every nation, every creed, male, female, young, old. And we can sit together, we can bear with one another, we can love and we can care and we can sacrifice for each other, What a beautiful, beautiful gospel this is. And Lord, our desire is that we can share this good news. This is truly good, good news. That we can share this with the people uh, that live next door to us. The people that we work with. The people that we go to school with. The people that we teach. In our business context, wherever we go, that we can share God's love and this miracle of God's people being able to be in unity together. What good news we have. Help us, Lord Jesus. I want to pray for 11 o'clock tomorrow, quarter to 12 tomorrow, for each and every one of us, whatever situation we find ourselves in, that we can live out the gospel in that place tomorrow. Wherever any one of us is tomorrow, Quarter to 12, I want to pray that we'd be mindful of us being your hands and your feet and your mouth in wherever you've put us tomorrow, that we might be in unity. Lord, when we need to bear with each other, that you'd give us the strength by your Spirit to be able to bear with each other, that we'd be able to forgive each other. Thank you, Lord. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.